Hi everyone, me again. So, because Audacity's a piece of shit, we lost the entire rundown when we recorded this week. So I'm recording it on my own, which is why you can't hear Dom's cavernous laughter at every line and quip that I throw down. Yeah, really sorry about that. So you will notice a couple of issues with the editing. But other than that, I think we're all good. Uh, it's a pretty good episode, I think. So enjoy the show. <laughs> now it's on. Can you move it a tiny bit closer? What? Not that tiny, like a couple of inches. Just a couple of inches. Like, <laughs> like two inches. Beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, just two inches. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. Um, okay. You doing the um, preamble? Yeah. Cool. Hello and welcome to the Omcast Grand Rewatch. My name is Dom. As one half of the Omcast, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Verily. Verily. <laughs> to Jodenheim. <laughs> um, so we now live in a world full of sequels, prequels, remakes and reboots. We understand that sometimes life gets in the way and you're not always going to be able to catch up before a new one comes out. With that in mind, we're here to provide a weekly retrospective on some of the biggest franchises in cinema history giving you a full spoiler rundown of each film in a series, including plot summaries, analysis, and behind-the-scenes trivia. This week, we conclude our Marvel Origins series by watching the 2011 film Thor, starring Chris Hemsworth, yes. and Tom Hiddleston, and Anthony Hopkins, and Idris Elba, and Natalie Portman, and Kat Dennings, and <laughs> Stan Skarsgård, and... Rene Russo. Rene Russo, and... Jamie Alexander. Yeah. Ray Stevenson. Ray Stevenson. The other two guys. The other guy. Not Stuart Townsend. No. Again. <laughs> Poor bastard. Ah, uh, well. Oh, well. And also, Chris Hemsworth's blonde eyebrows. And beard. And beard. It's very weird. Very uncomfortable. It's not, it doesn't look right. No. No one looks like that. I know he's an Asgardian, and that's kind of the point. Well, but not really, because... No, because he's not supposed to look human. That He's not human. But he doesn't look human, which is... <laughs> Which is like I'm falling into it. I'm looking now. It's like an uncanny valley thing, but it's just a guy with different coloured hair. But like, it's just a bottle of hair dye. But it's just it's really obvious, and it's really like it looks like someone's coloured it in with like a yellow pencil. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It, it just it looks really, really unsettling. And then obviously, as we've come to know, Thor going for like I got up whilst we were watching it. I got up like a, a shot of him from Ragnarok and put it side by side. <laughs> like, this is meant to be the same character because they're nothing alike anymore. Like, it's clearly nope. it's still Hemsworth and he's still doing the same accent and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> this is Thor. Um, the, yeah, 2011 introduction to Thor before the Avengers came out. Yeah. Um, and again, it's another Marvel origin movie which we're watching in lead up to Captain Marvel which mm-hmm. we're going to go watch next week. Um, so yeah, this was like the introduction to like the magic and or science as magic. Yeah, this is when things got crazy. <laughs> this is the one that every, this is the one where everyone was like, "There's no way this can possibly work." And yeah. the, the big sort of gamble, I guess, for Marvel. Um, and like since then, people have talked about like how Guardians of the Galaxy is a gamble, Black Panther was a gamble, but this was like the first really out there because up till now it had just been Iron Man, which. You know, went down really well, obviously. Yeah. And then Iron Man 2. Captain America's pretty straightforward. But then Thor is, like, really fucking out there. <laughs> yeah, because it does introduce the whole magic and mystery and mysticism sort of side of things as well. Um, and he's definitely the most sort of 
C list, I guess you could say. Uh, yeah. Because Captain America, like before this movie came out, most people wouldn't have. You, if they ask you to rattle off a load of superheroes, thought would have been way down the yeah. list. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. Captain America and Iron Man might have ended up there just about. Yeah, they would have struggled, but they would have got to them eventually. Where or they've had an image in their head of what Captain America looks like with the shield. And yeah. The, do you know what I mean? Whereas Thor, I draw me a picture of Thor. The, co- the comic book <laughs> character, no one that has any idea until this came out. Yeah, um, but then it's like it's like we were saying about the sort of the previous characters that before, you know, they weren't particularly well known. They no. weren't like Batman and Superman. No, they still no, they still were never at that level, or or um, Spider Man or the X Men even. Yeah, um, but they were still like I think yeah, Iron Man and Captain America were definitely more in the public consciousness than Thor was. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now Thor is up there with them, isn't he? Well, yeah, um, he's the sexiest Avenger. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not. You know, I don't know. That's he's the not the one that you're gonna. He's not the one that you're gonna marry because that's obviously Cap. That's the whole other debate. We're not getting right, into we're that. Gonna fuck Mary Kill. Fuck the Mary Avengers. Kill. Now, because they, I, I swear, didn't they? Weren't the kids at, in um, Spider Man doing that? Like all the high school girls were going. I guess F Thor, Mary Hart. Yeah. yeah, they were doing that, weren't yeah. they? So stay tuned after the show uh, for our um, on-cast after dark. Well, we could do that, but then, like, immediately my mind starts jumping to, like, obviously Scarlet Witch and <laughs> fucking um, yeah. Black Widow. Okay. Well, that's down. That's... Listen, listen, you've got, we've got, you know, we've got the rest of the episode for you to think about it. <laughs> okay. We'll get into it later. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but you completely throw me through a fucking loop now. I don't know what the fuck I've just said. <laughs> Thor. Yeah, Thor. Thor, 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 Thor. <laughs> yeah. It's got a hammer. It's got a hammer. Hemsworth. So yeah, Hemsworth. And the other thing about this, I guess, is that Robert Downey Jr. had been in obviously lots of movies before. He had a whole career mm-hmm. behind him. Chris Evans had been in superhero movies before, so he had some sort of inkling about it. Although he was never as big as he was with this. Whereas with Thor, Chris Hemsworth was like no one. Yeah, he came out of nowhere. He'd have one home and away. Home and away. He had a little part in um, Star Trek. Yeah. Um, which was at the time I remember when that came out. It was like, oh, that's the guy who's playing Thor. Yeah, they were like the guy who was like he was George, who was Kirk's dad. Yeah, in the little bit at the beginning of Star Trek, he's playing Thor. I'm like, okay, but it's like you imagine going from that to having like all the posters with your face on them everywhere and just being this huge thing and everything's on your shoulders. Yeah, it must be so intimidating. All blonde eyebrows. Yeah, and I remember there being a similar thing with Heath Ledger. Where they did the whole with um, a Knight's Tale, yeah, and he had all the posters everywhere, and like the, the tagline for the movie was like "He will rock you," and it's like a big picture of his face, and it really freaked him out, and he really didn't like it, <laughs> and that's why like he then sort of, after that started being a lot more select. He never was really a movie star in the same way, whereas Hemsworth seems to have just taken it all in his stride. Oh yeah, and now he's just completely launched a career off the back of this one movie, which not only did he do that, we were talking about this as we were watching it. Tom Hiddleston did that as well. Yeah. Tom Hiddleston sure. was just, I mean. So, I mean, yeah, he was a stage actor. Yeah. I mean, before we get too far, um, I have done a rundown. Yeah. It's, it's very, very, you know, well thought out. Okay. It's very strongly worded. It's not pithy or glib at all. All right, we'll get on with it then. Okay. Okay, so the film opens in a New Mexico night scene. Three science friends are in a monster truck and are apparently waiting for a science thing to happen. 
The science thing does happen, and they drive into a ludicrously handsome man who appears out of nowhere. Flashback time. Anthony Bloody Hopkins tells us via a voiceover that Frost Giants once tried to take over the Earth, but were defeated and driven back to their home realm of Jotunheim, and the source of their power was taken from them. He introduces us to Asgard, which is fucking dreamy and looks suspiciously like the logo of Hammer Industries from Iron Man 2. A young Thor and Loki are given a lesson about war in what is no longer a voiceover, but is Anthony Hopkins directly talking to the children who are talking to us, so it's a voice under, maybe? Voice in the... Anyway, uh, he's giving them a live lesson about war and things which Thor absolutely doesn't take on board. We now jump forward approximately a thousand years to Thor's coronation day. His reception is nothing short of a WWE-style entrance, and with only seconds before he ascends to the throne, it's noticed that Frost Giants have broken into Asgard and are doing some mischief. Odin makes short work of them via the Destroyer, which is a magical sentient set of armour. Thor has a tantrum following this, and heads off to Jotunheim to fuck shit up. Heindel sneaks Loki, Thor, Sif, and the Warriors 3 where they proceed to turn up and wreck shit before Daddy Odin sweeps in to stop all-out war. Thor and Odin have an argument regarding Thor's worthiness to wield Mjolnir, which gave me flashbacks of a shockingly similar incident when I was 15 and asked for a moped. Uh, in a very, very similar outcome, I was also exiled to Earth, and so was Thor. Hey look, we're back at the start of the movie. Thor stumbles around a bit before being tased, taken to a hospital, and then being sedated. Natalie Portman, Kat Dennings and Stellan Skarsgård are three science friends who are talking about science things before flattening Thor with their science monster truck and adopting him as a crazy homeless man. Back on Asgard, Loki, Sif and the Warriors 3 have a grumble about Thor before Loki storms out. In the next scene, Loki is in the armoury of Asgard and we find out that he is not in fact an Asgardian, but is a frost giant. Odin and Loki argue over his mysterious origin in a surprisingly powerful scene until Odin collapses. Back on Earth, the science friends part way with Thor after he learns that Mjolnir is nearby. Agent Phil Coulson then arrives and takes all the science things from the science friend. Sif and the warriors try to address Odin as they suspect Loki's treachery, but it's revealed Odin collapsing was him falling into Odin's sleep. Loki, having now taken the throne, decrees that he cannot bring back Thor and that they are dismissed. Jane picks up Thor in her monster truck and they flirtatiously drive to get Mjolnir. Thor breaks into the world's most wildly impractical facility and is eventually reunited with Mjolnir which doesn't budge in the slightest, noting that he is still unworthy. People talk about stuff all the while Thor is at peak sad pout mode, and Loki appears under him, stating that Odin has died, and saying that there is no way that Thor can come back to Asgard. After this, Loki finds Mjolnir and attempts to lift it, but is unsuccessful. Following this, Thor is rescued by old man science of the science friends, and they go and drink and become pals. Loki travels to Jotunheim for some scheming. Thor does some soul-searching. Jane talks some science, and Sif and the Warriors 3 turn up on Earth to inform Thor of Loki's treachery. Loki sees this and sends the Destroyer after them. A battle ensues and everyone retreats except for Thor, who bravely sacrifices himself to save the science friends, Sif and the Warriors 3. Following his noble sacrifice, Thor is deemed worthy again by Mjolnir and is resurrected in full god mode. In their surprisingly short battle, Thor makes short work of the Asgardian weapon of mass destruction. Thor and Jane Foss have a quick smooch before he heads back to Asgard to give his brother a hiding for being such a knob. Loki briefly exposes his reasoning for all of his treachery in the two brothers' fight. Thor defeats Loki but has to sacrifice the Bifrost in the process, meaning he is unable to return to Earth. Odin returns and saves both of his sons from falling into an abyss, but unable to face the consequence of his own actions, Loki lets himself fall and the rest of the film is about emotions or things. The end. Or is it? No, it isn't!
In the post credit scene, we're introduced to Nick Fury again, who speaks with Old Man Science and shows him the Tesseract recovered from the end of Captain America. And we see the revelation that Loki still lives. So yeah, that's Thor. That's Thor. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and obviously, again, it's it's all the setup for the Avengers. Um, yeah, but it doesn't feel... This one didn't feel as much of like a setup as other films post this happened. Well, no, because so much of it takes place on Asgard, I guess. Yeah. And so much of it is concerned with that. Although, the reason I say it's the setup for the Avengers is because Loki yeah. is a big part of the Avengers, obviously. Yeah. So in that sense, it wouldn't have worked if we hadn't had Loki's backstory in this. No, definitely not. And then, especially with the post credit scene yeah. as well, yeah, with the Tesseract and Fury, um, they are linking in. But it does, it does feel like there was a an early stretch of these, with well, the early issues with the sequels, <clears throat> is both Thor two, Iron Man two, and Avengers: Age of Ultron. The ones that people would probably argue are the weaker. Yeah, are all very preoccupied with world building. Yeah, true. Yeah, so there are these whole sort of flashes in the other ones, whereas with this, it seems to be stronger. Mm. In so much as it focuses on this story, it sets up Loki as a villain. Yeah, it sets up Thor as a hero. It That's sorts the thing. out why Thor is on Earth. Yeah, why Loki hates her. Yeah, and uh, it introduces the Tesseract with Doctor Selvig. That's the thing, it's kind of like, that's what's unique about this one as in terms of uh, Marvel origin stories, that I feel like it's actually more of a, a dual origin story, because mm-hmm. it is both Thor's origin story and Loki's origin story yeah. at the same time, and they've both gone on to have long careers within the MCU, yeah, and been in multiple movies and crossed over into other franchises and all the rest of it, um, whereas the other ones, so, you know, Iron Man, Killmonger, was Killmonger? The Ironmonger, sorry, mm-hmm. was just in was just for that one particular movie, and then he was done. And yeah. kind of the same with um, Red Skull, even though he did have a little, he did come back a little bit. He hasn't really had a lot of consequence no. to the plot. Whereas Loki is someone who we've lived with for a long time, mm-hmm. in exactly the same way as Thor. So they both they had to spend as much time with both of them, introducing them both. Yeah, I guess. So um, he's been in more films than some of the actual Avengers have. What Loki has? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess he has, isn't he? Because what, he's in the three Thor movies and two Avengers, at least. Mm-hmm. So that's five. Yeah. And then you think, like, Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Has been in, what, three? Um, yeah. Black Widow's been in quite a few. So she was in Avengers 1, 2, 3. Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2, Civil War. Yeah. So she was in five as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but it's it's really interesting that yeah, that's true. That because that's one of the things. Like, as I was writing out my rundown, there are parts in there where you're like, there is so much Loki in this. Yeah, but it's like parallel. But I almost feel like even that though, I still feel like there's not almost not enough Loki. No, I still want more. Yeah, and that's part of. I remember that being a thing when they came to do the Dark World is that they went back to do rewrites to put more Loki in, mm-hmm. but then. In this one in particular, I feel there are parts of his story that are sort of skimmed over a little bit and I wish they'd spent more time with. Yeah. Particularly in terms of his backstory and his um, heritage, if you like. Yeah. So basically, he finds out in a scene that we talked about as being, like, if you could pick one scene that launched this guy's career, it's the scene between him and um, Odin where he finds out that he's a frost giant. Yeah. And he's Laufey's son. 
Laufey is the king of the um, Loki Laufey's son. Lo- yeah, that's his name. Although Laufey is actually a female name, which calls, which apparently in Norway makes makes it really funny. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but there's a whole thing around this sort of naming conventions. Um, but anyway, yeah, he finds that out, and it's just an amazing scene, a brilliantly acted from both Hopkins and um, Hiddleston. Um, but then he goes on with the rest of the movie. So what it basically means, what it, when, it, when you boil it down, it means that he kills his his biological father to impress his adopted father and yeah. then he's willing to kill his entire race that he's just found out about again to impress the race that has adopted him and like that like is worth exploring and picking apart yeah. and they even had I think they wrote a scene or they had a scene in there at some point where he tells Laufey that I'm your son yeah, and they decided to take that out because it made him too sympathetic okay. and, he, and he had to be the villain yeah. and it's like I get why he did that because for, this, for the sort of streamlining of storytelling and formulaic you have to have a good guy and a bad guy but that would have been really interesting mm. and that would have been really cool and it's things like that it's complexities like that which is why Loki is by far one of the strongest villains in the MCU yeah well yeah he is as far as I'm aware like as well, as, aware. as far as I'm concerned it's like it's between him and Thanos as the two greatest villains in the MCU all about Kilgrave Mm. No, 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 let's not talk about that as a whole separate thing. But yeah, but it's um, but yeah, like you raise an interesting point. But then one of the things that I'm really excited to see with the Loki show mm. is are they how far back are they going to go in that? Yeah, so that sort of rumor. For those of you who don't know, there's a rumor going around at the moment. Uh, I think it's well, it's not even a rumor. They've confirmed they're doing it. Um, that the Disney streaming service that is coming later on this year. He's going to have a couple of uh, TV shows that are based around the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. characters. One of them is going to be Loki. Yeah. And the idea is they're going to show some sort of time travel thing where he's going through human history, like influencing. influencing people and poking them in the right direction as the god of mischief. Yeah. And it's like his time on Earth and what, he, what he's been doing to fuck about with people on Earth the whole time. Because presumably. Him, him, and Thor and Odin are meant to be like thousands of years old. Well, it says it in um, Infinity War. Is it was one thousand three hundred years old? Is that what he said? Like? Yeah. So the idea being that they've been around through all of human history and they've just been sort of they're like immortal essentially, but they yeah. are, unless they can, they they're like elves, I guess. In that they're they'll live forever unless someone kills them. Yeah, basically, it's what it boils yeah. down to. Um, but yeah, again that as a concept is nuts and they they like still they kind of ground it in a way by saying think of them as aliens yeah and that's the kind of the approach they go for in this and they quite quickly set that up early on they go the the Norse um, no I mean the the people the Norsemen I want to say <laughs> but that, that's a that's a comedy show um, the Nordic people yeah think of them as like people who occupy these other worlds as being their gods and there are yeah. certain worlds they know to fear so the idea being that like Jodenheim is a planet, yeah, and and they they sort of get these idea of realms, but instead of realms, they're actual physical planets in a way that we can understand. Yeah, them. that's good. <clears throat> I like how they've done that because that's really clever. Yeah, because in a lot of some of the, sort of the actual mythology, like the realm of the Frost Giants is just north, of yeah, wherever. But framing it in this way has made it really, really interesting. Yeah, and he does the whole thing where, like, later on, he has the conversation with Natalie Portman, where he draws out the map and says, "Look, yeah. 
This is how it works. Idrisil. Idrisil. But then the, I think the, presumably the idea being that in this universe you could... Fly, like the Guardians of the Galaxy, if they wanted to, you could get in their spaceship and fly the own home. Yeah. It's not something you need to like access another portal or dimension or anything yeah. to get to. You can. It's just a physical place that you can go to. Um, which was part of the challenge of this. They somehow managed to get around it. Um, the one exception to that being Asgard, which seems to not be a planet, but be like a floating platform in space. Yeah. So that's changed sort of a, quite a few times yeah. in the comics. Yeah. Um, one of the... So it sort of loosely... It's always loosely framed around like the... The Allfather being the person that has Asgard. So yeah. Asgard is a realm or is it a place or is it a planet or is it this or yeah. that? Sometimes it's been a planet. <clears throat> Sometimes it's a city. Sometimes hey, it's floating six Asgard. feet above Braxton in Oklahoma. Yeah. Sometimes it's a people. It is a people. Asgard isn't a place. Yeah. It's a people. And, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's done really cleverly, but it's, they've also not gone into so much depth that, it sort of eludes itself. No, they they get the balance just about right, I think. And I, part of that is by having the the scientist characters, the science friends. Yeah. So and they Natalie Portman and Kat Dennings and Eric Selvig. Um, and I was saying like it's, it's good that they threw in their Eric Selvig because obviously he's a Norwegian man <laughs> yeah. who knows who's like, these are the stories that I grew up on as a child, and then like he understands it all because he's like obviously this is all we had in Norway, and it's like. Yeah, but you're only like what forty. So did you not have like movies and stuff when you were growing? No, no. All we had was the mythology of Thor. All, and, yeah, all and, they yeah. had was that mythology and sitting outside in the woods. Yeah, smacking themselves with tree branches and jumping into ice lakes. Yeah, and like and clogs and <laughs> presumably according to the the logic that we've got here. Um, but yeah, so that that's a good little way of weaving that in as well. Um, but yeah, they have Natalie Portman character. Um, who does kind of ground it in a lot of ways, and she she she's quite good in this in terms of being a person. Yeah, she feels like she's not like stereotypical sciencey, 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 sciencey person. She has a couple of lines like that, um, and a couple of lines where no one would ever in <laughs> ever say that ever. Like when you if you hit someone with your car and then ran over to them, would you lean over and go, "Do me a favor, don't be dead." Mm. Would you say that? I don't know. Like uh, th- that doesn't sound like it's outside of the realms of possibility. Like I don't know. It's just it, like, it, you see it a lot. People are like, "Please don't be dead. Please don't be dead. Please don't be dead." I don't know. That's it. Seems like a very much a movie thing to say. It's yeah. not a real thing to say, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my. That's the thing I have struggled comprehending in Thor. Is that the, <laughs> the, the fucking the the magic, the the bridge to the other dimensions, the yeah. fucking like yeah, the giant monsters. They're ice giants, all that, I'm fine with. But I don't believe that if you hit someone with your car, you'd go over and say, do me a favour, don't be dead. That's, that's, that's my problem. That's my breaking point. That's the hill that you're dying on, is it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's where the MCU just I, t- it takes me out of the movie and I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a shame. It's sad you haven't seen any of them since. No. Well, that, that was it. But yeah, so one thing that I do want to talk about is the costumes. Yeah. Because the fos- costumes in this are fucking yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I think it's the, it's a combination. It's the com- costumes and the set design. And basically mm. the whole look of it is fucking amazing. Um, because so much of it is done practically. 
Yeah. Um, and I was watching the extras and stuff <clears> on the DVD earlier. And like, yeah, the, the costume, like you say, there's so many pieces to it mm-hmm. that they have to get stitched into these huge costumes with all these different elements that make up this amazing looking costume. And like, they have all the helmets, like Loki's helmet. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's two pieces, yeah. isn't it? So he has to like put on the lower sort of almost mandible section first, and yeah. then put it on, and then it clicks into I remember, place. Yeah, I remember reading about Hiddleston's like really excited for it. It's like, when do I get the horns? When do I get the horns? Because yeah. he's obviously seen that there's a very iconic image of Loki sat on the throne of Asgard with that helmet on. Yeah. Um, and he was like, really, like, once I get the horns, then I know I'm Loki. <laughs> it's like, he's become a massive, like, comic book fan off the back of doing this movie. Yeah. Which is cool. But yeah, just, and they, they nail it in a way that still makes it look real world and the like tangible. Yeah. I mean there are bits of it that are a little bit over the top. Like I think Thor's shoulder pads. I think everyone's shoulder pads are a little bit much. I don't well, I think Thor's are worse because he that's they hang the cape off them. Yeah. So he has this the cape. Again they do the cape practically which is not done often anymore to be honest. Mm. Like you look at like the um the DC movies they the they CGI in Batman and Superman's capes after yeah. the fact whereas with this they actually have a cape. Yeah. And you can tell. It's the same. They do the same with Vision. Yeah. And, well, later on with Thor, with a lot of his stuff, it's it's not practical. But in this one, specifically, it is. Yeah. And again, that goes back, it's similar to what we had with Iron Man, is Iron Man has now since become quite CGI heavy. Yeah. But back at the original Iron Man, it was practical. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how what side of the coin they land on with Captain Marvel. Yeah, because that's, like, I mean, that's, principally why we're watching these is to talk about why they are these Marvel origins so how much of this is going to cross over because we've already seen in Dark World the Asgardians cross over with the wider universe Mm. outside of Earth and we've seen it in Ragnarok as well and we've seen it in Infinity War Yeah, but it's because the Kree and the Skrulls that are going to be in Captain Marvel are a huge huge part of the Marvel Universe and we've Mm. not seen a single thing from the Skrulls yet no this will be the first appearance. Well, I thought there was wasn't there some rights issue, which meant they couldn't use them. No, <clears throat> so they can always use the scrolls. They couldn't use the super scroll. So the super scroll is a. Uh, this is okay. We're going to get a little deeper. Uh, so the super scroll is a villain from the Fantastic Four comics, right? And the scrolls' powers are shape shifting. Yeah, some of them have further powers beyond that but they lose the ability to shapeshift the super scroll has all the abilities of the fantastic four in himself mm. so he has the strength of ben Grimm. he can set himself a blade like johnny storm he can turn invisible and he can stretch but he can't change into like a human mm. he's like this big big character that's always been throughout it and has spawned off numerous other things following but they couldn't use him specifically mm. but they could use the scrolls okay in general as a race okay it was it was the same thing with the uh, the Maximoff twins. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, like with in terms of Thor, like you say, it, although it's the first introduction to space, mm-hmm. this one in particular, this first one is very much more a fantasy thing than it yeah. is sci-fi. Yeah. It gets more sci-fi actually, even in the Dark World. The Dark World suddenly they've got spaceships and there's like dogfights and sort yeah. of things, laser guns, laser and... guns and things shooting, and it's a lot more sci-fi. Whereas this is any battles that take place are like physical fights with like when they're fighting the Asgardians are fighting the Frost Giants even in the flashback it's two big armies of men running at each other it looks like something out of Lord of the Rings yeah it's not a tech based war no which is what happens and they are using swords and like melee weapons yeah exactly yeah and it's all and like they like the Frost Giants do that whole thing where their arms change into big like icy spikes 
spiky, spiky icy bicycles. Bicycles. So yeah, it's not. It it does take a bit of a turn in the dark world, and I think in hindsight maybe they should have done a bit more of that because when they go full sci-fi, which is what they did with Ragnarok, it does work for them. At the same time, what I like about this one, and I feel was lost in the in the later ones, is that whole Shakespearean yes like gods like got the, the the battles amongst gods sort of thing going yeah. on which kind of got lost a little bit down the line because they became more quippy and and sort of the gravitas was lost a bit mm-hmm. in favor of humor which is fine but i would have loved to have seen yeah a more serious like epic yeah because one of the things that i like about it is that i was talking to someone else about this recently uh this film in particular so in the Shakespearean sense of the way that they talk and the way that there is this very sort of personable story that mm. can sort of be equivocated to sort of a war being brought in because of another thing. So it goes back to sort of like a Greek tragedy as well. Yeah. Um, but when you look at something like this, the, the way that the gods are positioned in this Shakespearean sort of authority is that they're almost the players and us as humans are watching this grand play. Yeah. And then when Thor does start to encounter people like humans, regular normal humans, mm. it, it becomes more grounded. Yeah. So that sort of activity only exists on Asgard. Yeah. And it's similarly with Ragnarok as well. You look at the way that things are framed. Everywhere else, there's like spaceships, laser blasters, like running around shooting things. Yeah. When they get back to Asgard, it's back to swords and shields and bashing things with clubs again. Yeah. <clears throat> which is what I really enjoyed. But like you were saying, what was missed afterwards was this like family Hamlet Macbeth almost. Yeah, it's very King Lear. Yeah. Um, I think you like, yeah, I think, what's his name? Um, Hilderson talks a lot about how his character is very much like Edmund from King Lear. Because mm. that, that whole thing, there's a the whole dynamic in King Lear where there's two brothers. One's like the eldest and one's like the illegitimate one. And he's jealous and he tries to turn the father against him. And that's a whole thing, um, which is obviously very similar to Loki. Yeah. And that he comes across. That's what I love about both Hiddleston and Hopkins in this movie is that they take it seriously enough that you would think yeah. they're on stage at the Old Vic doing Shakespeare. Yeah. But they've got this ridiculous fucking costume on. Yeah. And then they're shouting at Chris Hemsworth wearing a red cape. But like, yeah. just, there are certain scenes, like the, the confrontation they have towards the end. Like, is it madness? Is it? And he's like, he's fucking losing it. And like, he's putting so much in his. His face. You can see, like there, are, there are scenes in this where Tom Hiddleston is crying, yeah, whilst he's delivering like this really impassioned message about how he needs to prove himself to father, yeah, and that's it. And you're yeah. like, so like the first time I watch this film, I'm like, what the fuck is he getting up to? Why is he doing this? Yeah. And then it becomes clear at the end, and he's like, no, father, I did it for you, I did it for all of us, yeah. And he's like, no, Loki, no, Loki, yeah. And it's just that's all it takes is someone with the chops of. Hopkins. Hopkins. Like, it's the banishment scene with Hopkins. And apparently, I remember, I, I was watching, reading about it the, earlier, and it's like, he, at one point, they, they did a few different takes of it, and then um, Kenneth Branagh went in and said, okay, just improvise, and on this one, I want you to act like he's broken your heart. Mm. And he really went for it, and started crying. And like, Hemsworth was like, I looked around, after once the take was over, I was just sat there like, slack jawed, like, I looked around, and they were like, three or four members of the crew who were just in tears <laughs> because that's what Anthony Hopkins can do. Yeah. He can just go, okay, yes, yes. And then just do it because <laughs> he's just, uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's amazing. That good. He's amazing. He's, he's unreal. And I love that he chose to do this because 
you didn't, you know, he didn't have to. I remember that again, like apparently he was offered the role of Alfred in Batman Begins. Yeah. And he turned that down. But the reason he took this is because of Kenneth Banner. Yeah. And like he, and a lot of the actors have said the same sort of thing. Like Natalie Portman said, Kenneth Branagh's doing Thor. What mm-hmm. do you mean the Shakespeare guy? Okay. And like he knew Tom Hiddleston through having worked with him on a play, I think. Um, so it's because of him that we've now ended up with this amazing cast, which have carried over into later films. Yeah. Um, so fair play to that. And thank God, like, I'm in the nicest possible way, thank God Kenneth Branagh didn't play Odin. Yeah. Because what reading it, like, I was trying to find some piece of evidence because he can't, there must have been a point when he cast himself as Odin. There must have been. He's such an egomaniac. Like, and he loves himself. So, like, the last thing this guy directed was bloody the um, murder on the Orient Express where he played Pyro yeah. himself and directed it. And he was the, and he was the, and like, the, I remember watching the trailer. Same the theme tune. Yeah, I was, I was like, I remember watching the trailer because I am the greatest detective of all time. And then it just like panned down and it was him with his ridiculous moustache. And it's like, directed by Kenneth Branagh. I was like, of course it is. Of course it is. Like, so I can't believe there was never a point when he was going to play Odin. And then, yeah, so, I just... and then someone came in and went, no, no. <laughs> yeah, Anthony Hopkins. Obviously it has to be Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Who else could possibly do this? Exactly. But when going back to where you were saying about how both him and Hiddleston sort of really committed to this, that's why I have so much respect for actors like Hiddleston, yeah. Hopkins, etc. Because it's stuff like... Um, Look at Alec Guinness, for example, in mm. Star Wars. Yeah. So he openly was like, this is ludicrous, whilst he was doing it. Afterwards was like, uh, well, a lot of the stuff you'll read about Alec Guinness where he's like, oh, he hated them all and this, that and the other, is a, quite a bit of an urban myth. Yeah. He did want to be recognised more for other things as well, but he was quite happy to talk to people about Star Wars. Yeah. But it's getting somebody of that calibre to mm. do something... That's, that is genuinely silly, yeah. In some senses, but if you can make that silly thing in a correct way, mm. gives it so much extra power. Yeah, gives it so much extra. I keep saying it, but gravitas. It gives it gives it so much more strength to yeah. push forward that it pushes past that boundary of stupidity and silliness and immaturity into a realm where you're like, you're accepting of it. Yeah. And that's absolutely what they've done here, like Brolin has with Thanos. Yeah, and they've just they cast an Oscar winner as Captain Marvel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And that's what I mean. You, you know, you got this sort of half alien, half human, or is she all alien, or is she all human, or is she blue? Is she is she a human? Like she can Caucasian? fly. Can she, she can fly and shoot lasers out of her hands? But she's but playing Brie Larson. Yeah, to do it. Yeah, man hating Brie Larson. Fuck's sake. What the fuck is wrong with people? I don't know. Like, I don't want to get into a big fucking tirade about it. I, I'm not going to. No, I'm we'll do it next week. We'll do it next week. Fucking <laughs> bullies and fucking cunts. Um, <laughs> anyway, oh, right, that's two for two, isn't it? I'm the only person to use the C-bomb on the recording. So far. <clears throat> anyway, but yeah, so... But yeah, like you say, having somebody like... I think... One of the things that Marvel does is consistently crushes it with cast. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like obviously there have been like, and particularly we've talked about this, there have been instances where they have have had to recast, but for the most part, it's been spot on. And it's a lot. Sometimes it will be even things where. 
they're characters you don't even think about, and then later down the line, so like um, Bucky. Yeah. Bucky was like nothing. And then they knew, they go, no, 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 if we get this right, we know that in the future it's going to be really important. Um, and uh, yeah, so the supporting casts in all of these have been mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, Odin's perfect. Even like the Warriors 3, like um, Jamie Alexander as Sif. Yeah. Was great. Um, and then she, yeah, she got to play it a couple more times. Um, and she's getting her own show. Is she? I think so. Well, I don't know. I think that might have been a rumour. Or something. I know she was. Well, she turned up in Agents of Shield, didn't she? Uh, yeah, it might be. She there. had a couple of episodes of Agents of Shield. Yeah. Um, but then like she couldn't even. She wasn't in um, Ragnarok because she was doing Blindspot. Yeah, she got, got her own TV show, Blindspot. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like the, the again, Natalie Portman is an Oscar winner, mm-hmm. and she just came along for like because just you look at the. If you were to list out all the actors who've been involved in Marvel over the years, and it just keeps growing as well. Like now we're getting to Captain Marvel, and it's like, oh, now we got Ben, um, ben Mendelsohn, Jude Law, and, and like all these people just like, it's, it's mad. It is absolutely mad. Um, and then the, it's a mixture of people who are amazing and have got their own fan bases and all the rest of it, like Samuel Jackson, and people you've never heard of. Like again, Clark Gregg kills it in this one. Yeah. Like, but, and that's, that's what I mean. It's, it's one of these. This thing about the casting that they've got is that they always bring in... Like, yeah, a lot of the time it's down to writing as well. But when you think about stuff like Ant-Man... Yeah. You've got Paul Rudd as Ant-Man, yeah. whose characterization is wildly different from it is in the comic books. Um, but then you've got Ant-Man, and you've got the Wasp, and you've got Hank Pym. But you've also got the guys, the other guys yeah. with him, you know? So you've got Michael Pena, you've got T.I. T.I., yeah. And you've got David Dasmalchin. Yeah. All three of those are fucking brilliant. Yeah. Just as backup characters. Kat Dennings, as annoying as she is in the second one, she's really good in this. She's yeah. really good fun. She's not bad in this Selvig's yeah. really good in this. Everybody, this cast that they always build around in all of these scenes. Yeah. And looking forward to Captain Marvel, where we've got the Star Force. Yeah. Which is like half a dozen people. We've got Jude Law. We've got Mendelssohn and Scrolls, And we've got the people on Earth. Yeah. And we've got Brie Larson. We've got bloody Monica Rambeau that's going to be in it as well. Yeah. And you're just like, how the fuck is this all happening? Yeah, it's mad. Well, because, yeah, again, cause it's because they got this right at the beginning. And like that's like the genius of it is like getting the right directors and the right... Like, again, I come back to the reason this cast is so good is because of Kenneth Branagh. Absolutely. And, like, so, and it's the same thing with, you know, people wanting to work with... Um, John Favreau on mm-hmm. Iron Man and, like... Yeah, they just they managed to get it all just about right, and like none of the some of them aren't easy ones. There are ones where it's like you know it's really obvious it has to be Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. You know, Robert Downey Jr. was like this close to not getting it, and then he did. Chris Hemsworth was up against his own brother. Yeah, and Tom, and Tom Hiddleston. and Hiddleston. Like if you guys don't know, search out like on YouTube wherever there is a bit of footage out there that exists of Tom Hiddleston auditioning to play Thor. And it's the best thing you've ever seen. It's and, uh, amazing. It's just he's got a blonde wig and he's got the hammer. And it's just it's, it's it, really funny. And it's but the thing is, like, he looks great as as like he could be like a Thor as well. Not to the same level. Like mm. as soon as Hemsworth work walked in, you're like, okay, you're not him anymore. Yeah. Like that's the thing with <clears throat> I think Hemsworth is one of the ones out of all of them where he literally looks like he's ripped out of the comic books. Like he's just perfect like looks what and then it turns out he can actually act yeah. and is really good like I think the thing with Hemsworth in particular is that sometimes he'll get oh, he's over 
shadowed by the others mm-hmm. because they're these Shakespearean actors. But he has some great moments in this one, um, like the moment where when Loki comes to Earth and tells him that Odin's dead and he just sort of breaks down. But it's really subtle and really like... Yeah, it's really like into it's not big and over the top, but yeah. he can do that and then also do to Asgard. Ah! Yeah, like you can do both. Um, that's what I mean. And like, I, I, there's another thing I want to mention about that room in a minute. But yeah, there are these really quiet moments that he's got. But also, when you look earlier in the film, there's the fury when he's shouted at yeah. by his dad, and he goes and has his temper tantrum, flips over the table, and and starts persuading all of his friends. He's like, oh, who did this for you? Yeah. Who did this for you? And you're like, you arrogant piece. Don't fucking do that. These yeah. are supposed to be your friends. Yeah. And then it gets to the end of it, and he's totally turned around. Yeah, that's, and that's what I like as well, is that you, with all of these origin movies, what they've done really cleverly is they've had each one of them have their own character arc and finish, and it's satisfying, and it concludes, but it always leaves somewhere to go. So the best yeah. thing with, with Thor in this one, when he goes and speaks to his father afterwards, he doesn't go to him and go, okay, I'm ready to be king now. He goes, I have a lot to learn. Yeah. Meaning that there's more to do. And like from a from a purely business point of view, that means we can make more Thor movies. Yeah. Huzzah! But, but like, but like, again, it just, they they build in longevity. Yeah. Just subtly by going, right, we're gonna have, he has to have a satisfying arc. You can't just leave it he has to have, like, be seen to have been different at the end than he is at the beginning, but we don't want to tell the whole story in one go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're like, you know, stuff like Aquaman, where they tell, you know, 20 years worth of Aquaman movies in one movie <laughs> that goes on for 30 years. <laughs> but we're not talking about that. <laughs> but, well, but yeah, and then, but the one thing I want to say is the intro, what, one of the, like, really subtle, t- subtle moments of this film that I really like is. That room that he's in, so yeah. in the in the Marvel in the in the comic book lore of the Asgardian pantheon, there's a prison which Loki often gets put in, yeah, called the room with no doors, yeah, and it's it's this really sort of it's like oh so you can't get out because there's no door, and it's like how did you get out of the room with no door? But blah, blah blah blah. But if you notice that room that mm. he's in, he's this Norse god in a cell that he can't get out of that has no doors essentially because it's all mirrored. Yeah. And like the only person that goes in and out of it is Phil. Yeah. And then when that wall slides shut again, there's no visible means to of entry in there. And it's just like a really subtle little yeah. thing that I noticed. I guess that's so is that reflected then in the, the prison that they put Loki in in uh Dark World? Yeah, kind of. He's like a glass thing which doesn't have a door in it yeah yeah that's true okay that's cool yeah. and it's like so it's like more of it, so it, yeah it's slightly different in that because it's got like an enclosure in it but yeah there's like oh he'll leave you in the room with no door uh the room with no doors yeah and stuff like that and um but yeah i just thought that was a really interesting concept and i don't know maybe i'm deep diving too far in but it is sort of a fairly significant part of the law that was quite cleverly laid in yeah um, yeah, I mean, they get the balance just right in terms of law. Um, mm-hmm. Like I say, they, there's a big dump of info and exposition right at the very beginning, mm-hmm. and then they just let the story carry on. Um, and yeah, they do a good job of sort of making the stakes like both huge and small. Yeah. In a way, like it's small stakes in terms of for the Thor, he just wants to look, make sure Jane's okay. And then they do the thing of it's good and interesting that they didn't have Loki trying to blow up Earth. Yeah. They had him blowing up 
Jotunheim. Because it's all, it does separate it and it makes it slightly different from a, oh, he's trying to blow up the earth again. Like, you have to find some convoluted reason for it. Yeah. Whereas with this, it's like they're, you know, they're the enemy, but they're also part of him. And he's found out that he's the prince of Jotunheim. And then yeah. his response to that is to reject it and go so far as to destroy the entire planet. <laughs> and again, it's just, it becomes a character thing, which is interesting, rather than just, I shall destroy the world. Ha 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 ha. And like, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's not. That's why he's such a good villain. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it's. I think one thing that I do think is 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 a little bit sad is that is that this there doesn't seem to be too much of a extended effect from Asgard across the rest of the MCU. Yeah, like there there are throwaway lines like "Oh, this guy's a god" and stuff like that. But I feel like there could be a bit more as well. I think it. I might be getting a bit ahead of myself post Ragnarok because I want to see where this leads after. I want to see where the Thor and Asgardians story mm. leads now. Well, the, that's another thing that I feel like they don't, they still haven't done very well. And this is, they started out here. The Asgardians yeah. aren't, they're just place fillers. Yeah. And they kind of like, even to the point where they're like, the way they're dressed, like they're all just wearing beige. Yeah. And they sort of just fade into the background. There are people. There are people there, but like, and then, it, but it raises so many questions. Like, okay, are they all gods as well? Do they live forever? Are they thousands of years old? Do they have kids? And do they have kids? What do they do during the day? Do they go to the jobs? How does this work? Like, all you know is that there's the Asgardian royal family, and then there's a bunch of people. Yeah, there's and a bunch you of think serfs. because yeah, because the, the serfs in particular become a key plot point by the time we get to Ragnarok. So you think at some point they would have fleshed them out. But they never really do. No. They're just there to sort of fill up the halls and just be around, <laughs> generally. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that is something that's missing, but you can't have everything. No. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, when it comes to world building, and particularly this, where you have to make both Asgard seem tangible and real and have people in it, and this New Mexico setting feel real and have stakes and yeah. all the rest of it. So to do both is difficult. It is really tough, especially in like an origin film. Well, yeah, well, you're introducing characters for the first yeah. time. You have to spend a decent amount of time with them. But it's something that... It was a missed opportunity later on down the line, I think. Mm-hmm. Particularly like the Dark World. That's when that should come in, really. So that then by the time we get to Ragnarok, the stakes are There higher. is a more sympathetic yeah. reason. And I, don't, and I don't mean just putting in a Russian... Uh, a random Russian family that happens to just be there <laughs> um, with, a, with a can of bug spray. That's not injecting stakes, right? No. I, uh, anyway... I mean, it's injecting it, but it doesn't mean that anyone's going to give a shit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I'm just trying to think. What else? Shield. Yeah. Coulson. Feels back. Feels back. You know who else turned up in this one for the first time? Sit well. I wasn't even going to say that. So the thing that you got very excited about. He went to grab. First, he went to go and grab a rifle. Then he went for a bow. Hawkeye. Okay. I was like. What's, who's this guy? Let's lift him up in a crane. Let's lift one actor up in a crane and then see another one at the top of the crane. That'll be interesting. Um, so this, they have a, another little bit of world building and it's another good one where it doesn't distract from the story. It's just, it does kind of feel a little bit shoehorned in. It does, but, because it, uh, ultimately it doesn't lead anywhere. No. It has no wider effect on anything. He doesn't no. fire a shot. He no. doesn't, he just has three or four lines. Yeah. And some great mugging shots. Yeah. Yeah, um, and yeah, we we see Hawkeye for the first time um, as so Jeremy Renner, 
um, for whatever reason, he's there with Coulson um, as like a security detail or whatever. And they, when Thor's going in to get his hammer, um, he gets lifted up into the air to try and take him out. But it's such a weird setup. I'm like, yeah, and that's definitely one of those things. that's like if if we if somebody did that now, we would be so much more cynical about it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we would because we you'd be like oh fuck just another thing another one that they're trying to shoehorn in yeah but then when it was when it was fresh that was fucking great yeah it was cool because that was again like I refer back to the last two episodes where we talk about the MCU gasp that was another moment for it for yeah. me like my my passionate love for Clark Gregg as Phil Coulson is a, a burning flame that's continued on but this was one of those things where it like. Seeing it happened at that point, I was just like, fuck, they're doing Hawkeye. Yeah. Did you not know then? Going no. In? Okay. Because I was trying to figure out when the, you know, they did the big cast announcement of all the Avengers. Mm. Like, when was that? Was that not before uh, this came out? This was a on a... Uh, so I had the... Um, it, was, it was after this. Mm. Because there was, I think it's four or five chairs. Okay. On the bridge of the helicarrier. Okay. It's like Captain America, Nick Fury, Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, or Hulk, and Thor. Yeah. And they didn't have Black Widow or Hawk, Hawkeye on there. Okay. But it's like these chairs lined up, like director's chairs. And that was like my Facebook banner, whatever it is, the main, the big long picture at the top okay, for about yeah. three or four years. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just, and, and again, these are the, like, as I am now... I try and do as little sort of digging into this stuff as possible. Yeah. Age of Ultron is a prime example. Yeah. I didn't know Vision was going to be in that. No. No. Until we were in it and I was like, fuck, they're doing Vision. Yeah. And then like... It, and the fact that he was Paul Bettany and all that sort of stuff, which was like... Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm hoping now that they're at a point where they're gonna there's going to be more of that. And I feel from what I've heard now, rumblings around Captain Marvel... There are some twists. There are some things in there we're not expecting. And a lot of that comes out, like looking at the trailer, they don't reveal much at all. And yeah. the same with um, Endgame. They don't need to. They're at a point now where, because they've been building this for 10 years, they don't need to sell too much. They don't need to show too much. And it means that we can go back go back to that feeling that we had with you know with Thor 1, where Hawkeye turns up and it's Jeremy Renner. Is that well, back then it would have been, oh shit, it's the guy from The Hurt Locker. Yeah. <laughs> Which would, was like a massive film, like a year before or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think they've, in a roundabout way, they've gone back to that now. They went through a period of, so like, the vision was shown, essentially. There was a very, well... It was a hint. You saw his eyes in the trailer for Age of Ultron. You never yeah. saw that. No, I never saw that. One. Which is cool. But there was a point during like the middle part of Marvel where they would have been revealing things more, I think, in trailers. And now they're back out of the other side of that. And they've got to a point now where they're big enough that they never have to. Yeah. They can just hint at things and give little teaser trailers and people will come watch it anyway. Um, and hopefully that will pay off big time next week when we talk about Captain Marvel and all the stuff that we didn't know was going to be in it but turned out to be in it. <laughs> It's so exciting. Um, but yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Captain Marvel. Um, and then we'll, we'll be talking about that finally next week. So all of these um, rewatches that we've done over the last few weeks, as you can tell, we keep sort of digressing about what we think is going to happen in Captain Marvel. 
because that is the reason behind it. But we're yeah. finally going to get to the point next week <laughs> and actually talk about this movie that we've been talking about for three weeks without having seen it. Um, so join us next week for that, basically. Yeah. I think that we've pretty much said everything we want to say about Thor, haven't yeah. we, I think? Great film. Yeah. Great setting off point. And, uh, weird yeah. eyebrows, yeah. Weird so, eyebrows. So weird eyebrows. And Thor's beard. character art, sit well. Um, sexy Hiddleston. Yeah. Um... Yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's about it. Cool. But yeah, so join us next week. Um, again, you can find us on the socials, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Yeah. You can email us at theomcastpod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, give us some suggestions about anything. We've got a bit of a roadmap of things coming up, but if there's anything that you want our perspective on, or yeah, um, if you just want some advice on anything, then we're here to talk. <laughs> I mean... Like what? And laundry, whether to mix colours and darks. What the fuck are you talking about? I don't know, I'm just trying to help. Our readers might have some troubles. They might want to... We're, we're in no way equipped to deal with anything from the real world. I think we've proven that over the last few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you have a particular gasp that you use in relation to Marvel movies. Right? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Think about the kind of person that has one of them. But, <laughs> but what I do have, what I do have, is a Captain Marvel Funko pop. Yes, you do. There's a, there's a new now that we've got a new edition. We've got a bit of diversity going on now in the cap in the um, pop Funkos. We've got a Captain Marvel one um, prepared for next week. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if she's earned her spot on the on the shelf next week. Yeah. And that yeah, I think that's about it. Thanks yeah. again for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, see you next week. See Bye. Ya. Bye. Um, suspiciously like the logo fuck and which suspiciously WWE bollocks via the dis- Odin and Loki argue over this mis- over his mis- <clears throat> Agent Filson then arrives and takes all the science things Thor breaks into the worst mu- in- bollocks people talk about some stuff for a while but why was fuck people talk about some stuff for a while while Thor is in peak soured pout mode and Loki fuck's sake people talk some stuff uh, all the thought is res- is then after this Loki finds me old in it. Fuck's sake! After this Loki finds Thor does some soul searching. Thor does some soul deemed worthy again by Mjolnir and his red tit. So the screw super scroll <sighs> bollocks.